Hello and welcome to X-Men Fantastic Four number one review. This is Kraken Krakoa number 32 as I explore and explain the House of X, Dawn of X era of X-Men comics. Today I'll be answering why the X-Men are after Franklin Richards and why the Fantastic Four are suspicious and the essential reading history of Franklin Richards. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, where I put together a bunch of reading orders and guides like the one I was inspired to do today after this issue of Franklin Richards, son of Reed Richards, and Susan Storm of the Fantastic Four. Hey, if you like Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. You can find full X-Men and comic book reading orders over on ComicBookHerald.com. X-Men Fantastic Four number one by Chip Zdarsky, Terry Dotson, and Laura Martin follows up on a thread first teased in House of X number one when Cyclops told the Richards family he'd always have a home on Krakoa, he being their son, Franklin. In addition to major ramifications for the Marvel Universe, X-Men Fantastic Four number one combines elements from my favorite Fantastic Four series of the last five years, Marvel 2 and 1, written by Chip Zdarsky, and my favorite ongoing Dawn of X title, Marauders, for a very strong opening issue. The issue opens with a monologue from Franklin, now a 13-year-old, reflecting on his history with the Fantastic Four and as an Omega-level mutant. Following 2015 Secret Wars, Franklin was in a position of literally creating universes, which, as we'll see, is not the first time he's done as much. But since Dan Slott's Fantastic Four kicked off in 2018, Franklin's power set dwindles whenever he puts it to use. This is putting Franklin in a fairly morose mood, as you might expect. By the time the X-Men come calling, wondering about the possibility of bringing Franklin Richards' quote-unquote home to Krakoa, and when I say wondering, I mean borderline storming the Richards' home on Yancey Street and demanding an audience with Magneto in tow, he's already in a place of sadness, anger, and confusion. Despite the fact that Franklin's father, Reed, is arguably the smartest man alive, he can't seem to find a cure for Franklin's powers. This leads Franklin to question why it is that Ben Grimm and now himself are the only two problems that Reed seems historically unable to solve. It's a devastating line of thinking from Reed's own son, but also very understandable, and something we know Ben's worried about and has fumed over in the past Fantastic Four stories. So when the X-Men decide it's time to show and claim Franklin as their own, leveraging the debatable bond Kitty and Franklin share from a nice throwback connection to 1987's Fantastic Four vs. X-Men miniseries, Franklin's pretty primed to consider the offer. It's a nice choice to use Kitty as the voice of reason connecting with Franklin throughout, as it affords both connections to Marvel's history and an excuse to primarily utilize Kitty Pride, or excuse me, Kate Pride, and her marauders as our focus mutants. Alright, before going any deeper into this specific issue, and if all you're here is for a review, I quite like this issue, and I'm super excited about the 4-issue limited series. It's a strong recommend for me, although I'd note to check out my Dawn of X reading order in the show notes on CBH for placement, because it creates some conflicts. I do also want to dig into Franklin's history to explore why the character is such a crucial one for both the Krakoa era of X-Men and the Marvel Universe as a whole. Franklin was born in 1968's Fantastic Four Annual Number 6, approximately six full years into Marvel's growing Silver Age superhero universe and over 75 issues plus annuals into Fantastic Four. In true Marvel fashion, the only way to mitigate cosmic rain-induced difficulties with Sue's pregnancy is for Reed, Ben, and Johnny to venture into the negative zone, battle Annihilus, and return with something called Element X to help Sue give birth to a happy, healthy Franklin in a story told by the legends Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. As this auspicious debut suggests, Franklin begins developing his mutant powers well before puberty, really as a toddler, which is quite atypical in the Marvel Universe, and chalked up to his own parents' cosmically altered genetics. Throughout our My Marvelous Year Reading Club, Read Through the Marvel Universe, which I highly recommend all of you check out, we've seen various instances of Franklin's true power. Likewise, we've seen an equal reaction 
or excuse me, we've seen various instances of his true power, and we've seen an equal reaction of Reed and the family, although mostly the responsibility falls to Reed, trying to control or tame this power in the interests of their son. For example, in Fantastic Four number 150, Franklin wakes from a coma to take down a model of Ultron that literally the Avengers, Inhumans, and Fantastic Four were struggling to defeat. This use of Franklin's power appears to quote-unquote cure him, but in reality his powers were just lying in wait. The next major development that I think of comes during the John Byrne written and drawn era of Fantastic Four, specifically issues number 244 to 245, when we meet adult Franklin for the first time. Franklin the Totter more or less accidentally uses his suddenly untapped mutant reality warping abilities to turn himself into an adult, and in the confusion he of course fights that and defeats the Fantastic Four sans Sue. It's worth noting, noting that although this is not a time-traveling version of Franklin, the idea clearly sparks something in the Marvel creative fabric, as aging up Franklin and finding out what he could become has been a staple of the character's stories ever since. This all leads to an overextended period of the Fantastic Four, assuming Franklin's powers are on lockdown, only to be proven wrong time and time again, such as in their battle against Mephisto. It's hard to imagine what it would really be like as a parent of a toddler with such unimaginable power. There's certainly a thread of Reed and Sue perhaps overextending their reach to keep him under control, a theme that comes up in a major way in X-Men Fantastic Four number one. But a reality-warping four-year-old is a genuine nightmare. If my toddler had these powers with no mind blocks, there'd be dinosaurs on every street in our neighborhood, and let's just say he recently learned the word carnivore. In terms of Franklin's specific history with the X-Men, Franklin Richards is one of the surviving mutants in the Days of Future Past timeline. We see in these issues that his Fantastic Four family have been killed by Sentinels alongside the likes of many X-Men and Peter Parker. And if you're looking for these classics, uh, classics it's Uncanny X-Men number 141 and 142. Franklin's in a romance here with Rachel Summers and part of the mutant resistance that sends Kate Pride back in time to help prevent the Days of Future Past timeline from ever taking place. I find it interesting that even once his power-inhibiting collar is disabled, Franklin is pretty quickly and easily scragged by a sentinel during the mutant resistance's last stand. It's a minor role, but Franklin's inclusion in this timeline is telling. This apparent downgrade of powers is dramatically course-corrected in a sequel crossover known as Days of Future Tense. The apparent downgrade of powers is course-corrected in a crossover spanning four annuals, Fantastic Four, New Mutants, X-Factor, and Uncanny X-Men, in that order, and tells a story where the Franklin from Days of Future Past escapes back through time to Marvel's present day. Franklin's deeply scarred by the trauma of his home timeline and lashes out against everyone, using his reality-warping abilities to try to regain some semblance of his past before the Sentinels took over. Generally, the idea of a dark Franklin isn't explored in too much detail, but Days of Future Past definitely gives a glimpse of what Franklin's Omega-level abilities could do when the character has been significantly traumatized. Skipping ahead a beat in the 90s, Franklin plays a crucial role during the X-Men Onslaught saga, with the villainous hybrid of Professor X and Magneto coercing Franklin's reality-warping powers to his own ends. Appropriately, it's Franklin's vast abilities that create a pocket universe in the aftermath of Onslaught, where Marvel could reboot heroes like the Avengers, Iron Man, and Fantastic Four in their Heroes Reborn initiative. It's Franklin, yet again, who brings all these characters back to Earth-616 proper during Heroes Return. His powers at this point are so off the charts, the Celestials even get involved to consider what to do with him. This is definitely the point in time where Franklin's reputation becomes that of the retcon-given life, or little more than a Marvel editorial deus ex machina. As we'll see, this reputation has dampened slightly, but it still lingers to this day. There are fans that will forever sort of resent Franklin for what he represents. 
Certainly, there are other very good stories involving the character prior, and again, I'd recommend checking out my essential reading guide to the character in the show notes, or just dig into the Mark Waid and Mike Moringo run on Fantastic Four from the early parts of the 2000s, but the next major level up for Franklin comes during Jonathan Hickman's extended run writing Fantastic Four and FF. Hickman manages the impressive blend of a time-traveling, ultra-powerful Franklin who wields Galactus as his herald, you heard that right, and fights mad celestials alongside the present-day's adorable child Franklin who befriends Leech and threatens Norman Osborn with a nerf gun. In Avengers, this concept is expanded, as Hickman uses Franklin as a near-eternal life force, available for conversation with the Avengers and Captain America as the time time stone exponentially hurls them through the time stream. This idea is particularly important for X-Men slash Fantastic Four and the Krakoa era because Powers Attend shows us how the X-Men are all about the long game of a future for mutants thousands of years into the future. Franklin has the potential to aid them here in a way that very few mutants ever really could. It's a small note, but this concept of eternal Franklin is backed up in the recent 2019 History of the Marvel Universe by Mark Waid and Javier Rodriguez. The framing device for retelling all this history is Galactus and Franklin chilling at the end of the universe, and Franklin more or less asking the big D for the whole Marvel Universe story time. Given all this power and potential, it's not surprising the X-Men are deeply invested in bringing Franklin to Krakoa. Obviously, Professor X and Magneto have a concentrated plan centered around Omega-level mutants, but it's not just them. If you remember from the pages of Marvel's Incoming, we've also seen a briefly teased scene of Mr. Sinister's desperate need to accumulate Franklin's DNA as part of his mutant genome project. In one of his best moments, Reed Richards questions Professor X's sudden, suddenly urgent timetable with deep suspicion, and just looking at the smile on Sinister's face as he drools over Franklin's potential reads very, very clearly not wrong. Of course, Reed being Reed, he can't help but scientifically overstep with the technology inserted into Franklin that masks his mutant gene and prevents him from using Krakoan gates. It's an ultimate betrayal not only because it's invasive, but because it validates Franklin's own concerns that his father is working on solving a million problems, except the one that actually matters to him. Likewise, this moment and the tenor of the issue solidify that this is ultimately more of a Fantastic Four story than X-Men. After all, this book is not edited in the X office, nor are the design pages a part of Tom Muller's work across Dawn of X. I believe the credits was actually the work of Chip Zdarsky, looking to mimic the feel of the X line, but in a way that fits within the Fantastic Four, I would argue successfully. This is particularly notable because since House of X, Marvel has been pretty careful about any crossover between Krakoa and the rest of the universe. You get references here and there in the pages of Invaders, Gwenpool, that wild brute force short story in the back of a Weapon Plus one-shot, but this is by far the most integrated Marvel U crossover involving this new world of X. While I'm beyond excited about the issue's final villain reveal, I won't spoil here but expect plenty of discussion in my next issue review, Chip Zdarsky's take on a Fantastic Four data page is quite wonderful. In the entry from Reed's Files, he explores the concept of god power, and whether or not it's where the Fantastic Four get their abilities from. The reduction of Franklin's power suggests he may be running out of energy from this god power. In their conversation, we hear Professor X particularly curious about why Franklin's abilities might be fading as well. In both cases, Franklin's patient zero for a future that could affect either the Fantastic Four or mutant kind. If he's losing his powers, who could be next? Likewise, tapping into this god power certainly seems like something that would be very, very appealing to the likes of Fantastic Four villains who will go yet unnamed, and of course, again, Mr. Sinister. There you have it. 
a review of an X-Men Fantastic Four number one, a series I'm very excited about. I hope you enjoyed this brief history of Franklin Richards and review. Again, I'd love to hear your thoughts, theories, and opinions, either in the comments on the YouTube channel or over on comicbookherald.com, or of course, you can always find me at comicbookherald anywhere on social. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and as always, enjoy the comics. Thank <laughs> you.